It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 93, The Capture of Jerusalem. What is Jerusalem worth? Nothing. Everything. What you just heard was a quote from the Crusades era movie, Kingdom of Heaven. I like it. These words in the movie were spoken by Saladin during the Crusades, according to the fictional script. What is Jerusalem worth? Nothing. Everything. It's quite appropriate as we cover Jerusalem in this episode. According to some stats I found, Jerusalem means a lot to world history, no matter your faith. During its long history, Jerusalem has been destroyed at least twice besieged 23 times, attacked 52 times, and captured and recaptured 44 times. That's a lot of conflict, and these stats don't even include body counts. In this episode, we covered David's capture of the impregnable fortress of Jabus, later to be called Jerusalem, and we parallel it with our modern history and the capture of Jerusalem by Israel close to three millennium later in 1967. Here's a write-up from the Jerusalem.com website. Jerusalem is one of the most ancient cities in the world and has existed for almost 5,000 years. Jerusalem's rich history is a part of our modern world, for Jerusalem lies at the base of the Jewish, Christian, and Muslim faith. This is the city of David, Jesus Christ, Muhammad the prophet, and countless other well-known figures from history who lived, preached, fought, and built Jerusalem. In this way, Jerusalem is the cradle of modern civilization, and Jerusalem's history is a part of world history. So the city of Jerusalem has a very long history. Joshua actually took Jerusalem and destroyed it during the invasion of Canaan, but he made a mistake by not occupying it. The Jebusites resettled and rebuilt it, and it came to be known as the city of Jabus until the time of David. So for context, the Jebusites have been living in Jabus for centuries and have built up incredible fortifications, and in David's time it was considered impregnable. David has his huge force of men after being anointed king for the third time. He's on a spiritual mountaintop, yet it wasn't time to rest. He was finally king of Israel. He had been anointed many, many years ago by Samuel. He had been anointed king of southern Israel, mainly just the tribe of Judah, and now he was anointed king of all of Israel. David marches upon Jabus with his huge force of men. David probably has the Jebusites completely outnumbered, but the Jebusites have the high ground behind high defensive walls, and no one has taken the city from the Jebusites for centuries. It was considered impregnable, and no one could take Jabus. 
It was even joked that the lame and the blind could defend Jabus, and it was partially true, due to its natural geography, steep cliffs, and high walls. Now this is where we begin our historic parallel. After the Jewish people were exiled and nearly exterminated in 70 AD, and after nearly two millennium, the Jewish state was reborn in 1948, with the Jewish people having control of the newer western part of Jerusalem and the other parts of Israel. This left the rest of Jerusalem and the most sacred part, the Temple Mount and its famous wall, part of Jordanian territory, and it was off limits to any Jew for nearly 20 years. But war was about to break out and change all of this, when in 1967 the Six-Day War broke out and Israel found itself at war with three nations. I count three nations, Syria, Egypt, and Jordan. These nations swore to destroy Israel. Here's a bit more on Jerusalem from the website sixdaywar.org. Jerusalem is a holy city to three major faiths, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, and figures prominently in the Arab-Israeli conflict. Since 1004 BC, when King David established Jerusalem as the capital of his kingdom, there has been a continuous Jewish presence in Jerusalem, the holiest city in Judaism, following the building of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and the designation of other holy sites by Constantine the Great in 333 AD. Jerusalem became a destination of Christian pilgrimages during Umanid rule from 661 to 750 AD. The Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque were built on the site where the Jewish temples had once stood, and Jerusalem became the third holiest city in Islam. Jews have constituted the largest ethnic group in Jerusalem since 820 AD. During the 19 years when Jordan occupied eastern Jerusalem and its holy sites from 1948 to 1967, Jerusalem was divided. Jews were expelled from eastern Jerusalem and barred from visiting their holy places. And here's a bit more from the same site on the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount is the holiest site in Judaism. The temple was built, according to the Jewish tradition, on the foundation stone upon which the world was created. This is considered the epicenter of Judaism, where the divine presence or the Shekinah rest, where the biblical Isaac was brought for sacrifice, where the Holy of Holies in the Ark of the Covenant housed the Ten Commandments once stood, and where the temple was again rebuilt in 515 BC, before being destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. The Temple Mount is also known as Mount Moriah, mentioned frequently in the Bible. And this is what it says about the Jewish worshippers at the Western Wall. The Western Wall is the remnant of the outer retaining wall built by Herod to level the ground and expand the area housing the second Jewish temple. Its holiness derives from its proximity to the temple site and specifically its proximity to the Western Wall of Temple's Holy of Holies, the inner sanctuary that housed the Ark of the Covenant and where the high priest alone was permitted to enter on Yom Kippur. According to Midrashic sources, the divine presence never departed from the western wall of the temple's Holy of Holies. For the last several hundred years, Jews have prayed at Herod's western wall because it was the closest accessible place to Judaism's holiest site. I mean, that explains it. This wall was there when Jesus walked through Jerusalem. And you can touch the walls and can be in the place where Jesus stood and preached. 
How incredible, the very stones of Jesus' day rest in the same place. Well, no publicly confessed Jew could set foot on this ground for nearly 20 years, between 1948 and 1967, until the Six-Day War broke out. Here's an account of the Six-Day War from the same site. Despite Israel's appeal to Jordan to stay out of the war, Jordanian forces fired artillery barrages from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Although Israeli forces did not respond initially, not wanting to open up a Jordanian front in the war, Jordan continued to attack and occupied the UN headquarters in Jerusalem. Israeli forces fought back and within two days managed to repulse the Jordanian forces and retake eastern Jerusalem. So I parallel these two military actions because they resemble each other. For when David attacks Jabus, it's more like a commando raid to see who can get into the walls to take the city. While in 1967, it was Israeli paratroopers, special commando troops that advanced into the old city of Jerusalem. Also, each of these situations occurred after over thousands of years of forward rule. So back to our account of David. David inspires his men. I see David looking over the city and considering all the options, refusing a long, exhausting siege, and encouraging his men to rival each other to take the city. He encourages them to sneak into the city and take it. Here's the biblical account, 2 Samuel 5, 6. The king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites who lived there. The Jebusites said to David, You will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off. They thought David cannot get in here. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is called the city of David. On that day, David had said, Anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft to reach those lame and blind who are David's enemies. This is why they say that blind and lame will not enter the palace. David then took up residence in the fortress and called it the city of David. He built up the area around it from the terraces inward, and he became more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. So it was Joab who led and captured the city of Jerusalem. I see Joab as the first up the spring well. This is just outside of the city walls, at least at the time, stepping out on the hands and feet of anyone who advanced past him, or even elbowing his way through any competitor who would try to take his position as the head of the army. And it was Joab who succeeded in the attempt to sneak in the city. Josephus adds that the lower city was taken quickly, but the upper citadel held out longer, and it took the courage and steadfastness of David in the encouragement of the military command to bring forth the final victory which Joab claimed. Unfortunately, we don't have any word of the victory celebrations after they took the city, but we have word-for-word word account and even radio excerpts of the taking of Jerusalem in 1967, nearly three millennium later, when Israeli paratroopers stormed and took the old city of Jerusalem during the Six-Day War. This is from the Six-Day War website again. On June 7, 1967, IDF paratroopers advanced through the Old City toward the Temple Mount and the Western Wall, bringing Jerusalem's holiest site under Jewish control for the first time in 2,000 years. There are sound recordings of the scene as the commander of the brigade, Lieutenant General Mordecai Moda Gur, advanced and approached the Old City and announces to his company commanders, We're sitting right now under the ridge and we're seeing the Old City. 
Shortly, we're going to go in the old city of Jerusalem that all generations have dreamed about. We will be the first to enter the old city, and shortly afterwards, the Temple Mount is ours. I repeat, the Temple Mount is in our hands. General Rabbi Gorin, chief chaplain of the IDF, sounded the shofar at the western wall to signify his liberation. To Israelis and Jews all over the world, this was a joyous and momentous occasion. Many consider it a gift of God. So here are a few quotes from this war. And if we don't have David's words or the words of his men, these personal accounts of the Six-Day War help me to picture what it could have looked like for David and his men after they captured Jabez. The wall was before us. I trembled. There it was, as I had known it, immense, mighty, in all its splinter. Overcome, I bowed my head in silence. General Uzi Narcus, head of the Central Command during the Six-Day War. I felt truly shaken and stood there, murmuring a prayer for peace. Motogur's paratroopers were struggling to reach the wall and touch it. We stood among a tangle of rugged, battle-weary men who were unable to believe their eyes or restrain their emotions. Their eyes were moist with tears, their speech incoherent. The overwhelming desire was to cling to the wall, to hold on to that great moment as long as possible. Chief of Staff Yikshak Rabin David and Israel had done the impossible, and Jerusalem was not only taken and captured, but this time it will be occupied. Now this time it will be occupied and it would become the capital of Israel. It would become known as the city of David and Zion. After this scene in Israel, Jerusalem will become David's home and capital and will become the center of the worship of God in Israel. Jerusalem will take center stage in the biblical account of man from this day forward. To conclude this episode, a message to kings. We got to go back to our quote from the beginning of the program. What is Jerusalem worth? Nothing. Everything. What's more interesting, despite the conflicts and wars that have been waged throughout the centuries over Jerusalem, and despite it being such a focal point in history, is that the city name of Jerusalem actually means reign, R-A-I-N, of peace. Jerusalem means reign of peace. Ask nearly everyone who visits Jerusalem, there's something special in Jerusalem. Despite the many religious conflicts in Israel, you feel peace. In Jerusalem, you truly feel peace. It is God's reign of peace. It is in Jerusalem that David builds his tabernacle, Solomon the temple, the place of worship of the true God of Israel, and the place of the kings of Judah. So many prophets come and go in Israel and prophesy in Jerusalem. It is Jerusalem that is destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. It is Jerusalem that is rebuilt 70 years later. It is Jerusalem that Jesus visits as a little boy and awes the teachers of the law, later to minister and perform miracles, teach and die on the cross for the sins of humanity. It is in Jerusalem where Jesus was raised from the dead, where he preached to his disciples. It is in Jerusalem that tongues of fire came upon the disciples as they worshipped in the upper room and the church was birthed. It was in Jerusalem that Peter performed miracles and Paul was surrendered to the Romans. It was Jerusalem that was destroyed in 70 AD. It was Jerusalem that was given back to the Jewish people in 1967. It is in Jerusalem that Jesus will return at the end of the age, and it was the Apostle John who witnessed a revelation of the end of time and the coming down out of heaven 
of a new Jerusalem. We should not be surprised when we learn that Jerusalem is considered a holy site to three major religions, and it should be no wonder that history is littered with the fallout of their conflicts in Jerusalem. What is Jerusalem worth? Nothing. Everything. It is no wonder that David wrote the famous Psalm 122, which commands us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and the psalm which is accompanied with the promise of personal protection. Psalm 122. I rejoice with those who said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord, according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, Peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as David relocates his capital to Jerusalem and solidifies his rule and the Philistines confirm there is a united threat to their east. Feel free to visit the website messagetokings.com and leave a comment or question. Or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.